in these days we've been sharing together um, something of God's heart, that, of covenant relationship, something very close to God's heart. And uh, we just are very grateful to God because he has rescued us from a mere imitation, uh, a false imitation of how he really is into uh, an accurate expression of what he, what he wants, um, which is very simple that, first of all, we love him and then we love one another. Uh, and nobody really disagrees with that, but it's the outworking of that. Um, when I see the presentation of formal religion uh, in this country, uh, it causes me to be very grateful to God. When I see uh, sometimes uh, the television performers uh, and their presentation, it leaves me grateful to God that we've been delivered from uh, futility and stupidity and nonsense and uh, ego trips and things like that into the pure privilege of, of knowing God, loving God, enjoying his presence, and out of that, loving one another. And uh, that's a very important and precious thing. I did say that today <clears throat> you should have opportunity uh, to share what, what particularly stands out to you, what particularly appeals to you, what aspect of covenant relationship uh, you would like to just thank God for. And... Uh, in a bit, I give you an opportunity to do that. But um, a few days ago, uh, Jamie sent me a, a, a what do you call it? A, not, you don't call it video now, do you? Whatever it is, a YouTube clip. A YouTube clip. That's strange. And uh, I thought it'd be good for you to see that because it's. Uh, it sets out um, really very much what our position would be. Aren't you glad that God has delivered us from trying to get to him? That utter futility. So let's, let's just have a little look at that and then we'll come back to um, the positive side. What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian, and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems, and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification, like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken, which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, 
He looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man, which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you and he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. Yeah, that's good. If you didn't access that, that's a wrap, all right, from YouTube. <laughs> if you didn't access that, that means that um, the decline has set in, you're aging, and you need to cry out to God for an anointing of youthfulness so that you can be like me and, and access these things and appreciate these things and catch the truth of them, you know? Yes. Most of it we could even hear as well. <laughs> a lot of truth in that. Uh, really um, declaring the futility of something. But we're not really wanting to particularly concentrate on that. What we're interested in is looking at the positive. And that's what I want us to do uh, again this morning. And hopefully in a bit some of you will share some things with us as well. Uh, last week, I didn't have time to look at the difference uh, in covenant relationship between uh, accommodation and acceptance. We talked about acceptance in uh, what God says to us in Romans 14. Let me just quickly run through that uh, so that we're clear about that and we understand. Part of what we're doing in these times is... is revisiting things which we probably know. Um, but of course we full well know that knowing is not enough, um, particularly when God is speaking to us about it because God is always interested in us being engaged in the doing and uh, empowers us and equips us to do that. Isn't that good? Don't you feel, you know, God is good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, moderately good? Yeah, yeah, because we're British. Um, maybe even very good. Hey, steady, steady. Let's not go over the top. Let's do it with a stiff upper lip. All right. So acceptance then, um, practical expression. Um, you know, think about this yourself really knowing that someone is for you um, is a very, very key and important thing. Uh, that's, that's really how God intended it should be. So the foundational things that we've talked about, about love and acceptance, are absolutely critical. Otherwise, it's a, a pretend thing, and, and frankly, that doesn't, that doesn't work. It has to be coming from the heart. And this is a love being expressed in a commitment. 
And it's a commitment that refuses to attack or undermine. Um, it's a commitment to support and lift up. It's not kind of, if you qualify to my particular criteria. It's based on the fact, if God has accepted you, and I don't accept you, then clearly I'm out of step with God. So the heart acceptance thing, this, this sense of love and forgiveness, this not qualifying to your own personal criteria or meeting your personal preferences is very, very key and very important. It's expressed in practical ways. Anything I have, I will share with you, not books. May God again convict those of you who need convicting on that matter. I have your names written down. To share with you. You know, that sharing we've talked about, practical, spiritual, emotional, um, we're talking about the totality of life. It's expressed in, you know, no matter what I find out about you, Whatever happens, good or bad, I love you. We're talking about heart acceptance here. And by the way, we're talking about an acceptance that is not conditional. Remember, you don't have to respond. It doesn't have to be, all right, me also. This is not conditional upon response. This is not about what I'm getting out of it or what I'm getting back from it. That's true acceptance. It's interesting, isn't it? We come back to what he was saying on the YouTube rap. <clears throat> Did you understand that, Neil? You, you, you do? Okay. Yeah. It's like, to you it would be a kind of poetry. Yeah, poem, yes, yes, yes. Bless him. <clears throat> Jesus seemed not to have a major problem with sinners, publicans. If you look right through the scripture, the big problem he had was with the religious, the legalists, um, the Pharisees. So acceptance is, is very much what God wants. It's very much what he's equipped us to be. It's very much a practical outworking of this covenant relationship. Accommodation kind of can look like it, but it's not it. And it's not what God wants. Accommodation is often putting up with because we're afraid to confront or admonish. Of course, the question we have to ask ourselves there, if we're just accommodating, is do I really have the best interests of a person at heart? Or am I looking for something which is um, more comfortable for me? And that, of course, would be absolutely the wrong way. So acceptance, because God has, is essentially a heart attitude. It's not an external constraint. It's a heart attitude. It's loving with the love of God. Um, and say that quickly, but of course that's where the supernatural comes in. Uh, God equips me to love with his love. He puts his love in me, that Calvary love, that amazing self-giving love, and part of that which he puts in me is, and we, we talked about this last week, is made complete as we love one another. So we're not just talking here about this would be a good idea, let's try it out. This is how God has... Um, transformed us. This is how he's imparted something supernatural to us. This is how we live from a totally different life source that by his power and we then live with something of his love towards one another. We saw it last week. We looked at it in detail. His love made complete. Something that he put in us. You don't often think about I don't often think about that. I don't know about you. That um, it's not just, you know, well, Phil's not a bad bloke and I can probably get on with him some days. But it's, it's 
something. I don't even need to know him. I can get to know him, but this supernatural thing is something. And of course, we are talking, let's not forget, about the most powerful force in the universe, love of God. I mean, we are talking about not just being a people of power in a kind of nebulous sense, but actually we carry the power of his love within us. It's a love that can dissolve and defeat and break through and reach where nothing else can. It's a very, very powerful equipping which God has called us to be as supernatural people. It enables us to stand up for what is right, not turn a blind eye to sin. Uh, it basically means that we, the best way I can describe it is we love the person, even if we despise their sin, we still love the person. Accommodation, as I say, is just an external response. It overlooks things, turns a blind eye towards them, puts up with things to keep basically the peace. And in the end, it's, it's a compromise. And often can be a compromise on sin. But this, this acceptance thing, is, it, it gets very, very critical. Because if somebody is going to be connected at a deeper level, a heart-sharing level. That's basically a person making themselves vulnerable, saying what they really feel, what they really think. They've got to know that basically you're for them, that you're accepting them, that that's not going to be a basis of rejecting them. God made us so that we don't live life in the way he intended with rejection. We're made to live with a level of acceptance both from him and therefore from his people. And to live without that is to try and exist with a level of rejection which is hugely damaging and very, very difficult. You can't really live life as... God intended in any way at all with that measure of rejection. Of course, when you look back, you saw that when, way back at the beginning, that the breakdown in the vertical relationship between God and Adam very soon led to the breakdown in the horizontal relationship. We've got to understand those two things are linked together very strongly, loving God, loving one another. Um, we keep on saying that if we don't love one another, then frankly, according to the Bible, we don't love God. We can call it what you like, but that's what the Bible says. Um, it's essentially that breakdown that took, that took place then was quickly translated to the breakdown in the horizontal. And of course, that was expressed in murder and lying. And we recognized way from, from way back at the beginning, God's plan was very different. Um, he intends that we overcome sin and therefore uh, have the relationship uh, as God intended. And that is the practice, not the theory. So let's have a little bit, uh, just a little look at that, that relationship, that friendship as God intended. Um, if I went around the room, and I asked you, um, how many people could you name that you know, whether at work or wherever, that are really envious of the fact that you're sitting here today? They're really envious of the fact that you can sing songs and pray and so on and so forth. I wonder how many in total we would come up with. I think I would struggle to think of anybody that's envious of that. But if, on the other hand, we were to say, do you know anybody that would really like the levels of friendship, relationship, expressed in support and love and community? We could probably begin to recognize. That's why 
we have to understand it's so critically important that we accurately represent God. We represent God accurately in the area of love and relationship. It's good that we meet together. It's good that we can worship him. All these things are good. But the primary thing is as we love one another and demonstrate that and live in that, as we enjoy the friendship that he intended for us. Now, we've looked at this, and I just want to kind of list again a few of the things that the outworkings of that, of a covenant relationship, a committed relationship, how it can be expressed. I won't at this stage even go through the scripture. I've got the scriptural reference for all these, but if you want them, I can give them to you afterwards. Let me just list seven ways. Giving, serving, caring, defending. That's, you know, um, let me explain. You try to go to Phil Ackerman and gossip something about me. It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't work. Because quite, quite early on into the conversation, he was saying, okay, let us, let us go together and talk to him about it. We don't do that. We, we don't do that thing. It's undermining. It's horrible. <coughs> Defending. Forgiving. Meeting needs. And taking responsibility. Just seven of the ways. We've already talked about them. Don't want to talk about them any much more now. You may talk about them in a minute when I give you opportunity to share things. Are you going to do that? Who's already ready to do that? Oh, yes, I thought you would be. Yeah. Uh, so you, you can allude to, to those things, so I won't take any more time. Let me just give you a resume, then, of what this covenant relationship. And sometimes we can get lost in the term. It's a good term. It's, it comes out of a biblical basis. But we're actually talking about God-anointed, God-inspired, God-ordered friendship or relationship as God intended it to be. Demands nothing in return. Um, seven or eight of these very quickly. Demands nothing in return. It's unconditional. I express something, uh, as I said a, a while ago, um, it, it's not looking, well, I will love you if you love me. You know, it's not, it's not in that realm. Um, Recognise it takes effort to actually be interested in others. You know, our natural tendency is to be interested in myself. But God has delivered us from purely being natural to being supernatural. But we have to commit the effort. Um, sometimes it means stirring ourselves up. Sometimes it may mean doing something. Sometimes it may be thinking about something beyond. Uh, so, demands effort. And consistent with that, the nature of biblical relationship gives time. Uh, it can't be done without time. Um, so, everybody's different. We need to take time to learn and understand each other. Um, to that end, is willing to listen. Uh, that is, listen and understand. Not just listening to give an answer. Um, if you love, you listen with understanding. And sometimes, sometimes there's not a ready answer. And that's a good time to shut up. Because you can express love. You can stand with somebody. It doesn't always need words. You know? Sometimes you, you can do well not to speak words. To be there and to care whether or not you know what to do or say. That's a kind of expression of the heart of God. I will never leave you to be there and care. I told you the other day of an instance of that when uh, Ken and another guy came to me. But I'm thinking about another instance probably even before that. Um, which I've probably told you about before, because some these things, I tend to talk about the things that stick in my mind. It doesn't mean to say there's not other instances, um, but you have to share the things that come to you at the time. And there was a couple in the church, 
and they'd longed for a child. Eventually, they had a child, and uh, and then the wife um, had a, a a serious postnatal depression um, to the point that she was really um, quite mentally ill, and there was great alarm and concern in the family and with the authorities because they thought that uh, she was a danger to the to the newborn baby and would they take the baby away and all that kind of stuff was going on and I'd never come across anything like that I didn't know anything about that but I just felt I should I should go there simply to be there now as it happened when I went there I walked into the place God anointed me with with an authority and an influence uh, that could take over and take control and and I wasn't expecting any of that at all. The issue was sometimes just to, just to be there, just to be involved. How many times have you heard people appreciate, you know, I was in this issue, I was in this crisis, and people just came or they just contacted or just visited. Something about that expression of God's love which we can really uh, appreciate and equally if we don't do it we can miss out on, a, on an opportunity there. To treat as equals. I'm not talking about patronising, not talking about hero worship. Uh, to encourage. Um, one of the, the list of things I gave you last week, to encourage one another. In fact, I, I even gave you an offer last week um, that I'm not sure if it was as a result of that, and if it is, I'm going to give it again. Um, but I did actually receive a number of communications of encouragement. Remember last week I offered myself if you wanted to try out encouraging somebody. Well, I'm offering that again. In fact, I'll offer that every day of my life. You, know? you can always practice that on me. And then to take this friendship, and cause this friend to be... Um, equal or above ourselves, uh, in honour preferring one another. <coughs> Biblical friendship. Now, it's true to say that friendship at this level is limited. The um, Bible talks about, in Ephesians 4.16, about life joints. Uh, you know, there's a certain number of life joints. Uh, and that's why we seek to express our life together in a variety of ways, so that we can indeed engage in deeper levels of relationship and friendship. And uh, if you remember, Jesus modelled the fact that he chose 12. Do you, you remember he chose 12? Why did he choose them? First, that they should be with him. And I always think that's significant. It wasn't that he should train them. It wasn't that he should send them. That all came later. But first, that they should be with him, that there should be that expression of God's heart right there modelled. Very important. Friends love unconditionally. Proverbs 17, verse 17. For good or bad, not fair weather friends. Friend is available for counsel. Um, we're very strong. In Proverbs 27, verse 9. Very strong that hearing God is critical, but I can't hear God for Neil, otherwise I become the mediator between God and man. Do you understand that? It's very, very important that we always remember that. No matter how strong our friendship is, I may have things that God gives me to bring him, but primarily I'm hearing God with him not for him. Otherwise, I've stepped into the role. And you know you stepped into the role where if he says, God has told me this, and you turn around and say, oh, no, he hasn't. You've suddenly stepped into a role. Whenever, and some of you would have known this, whenever you say, um, God has told me, I don't have anything further to say on that. I may say God hasn't told me, but uh, unless, of course, it's directly conflicting with the word of God and then um, I would say to you 
um, in a gentle, loving and kind way, you're a stark raving lunatic. You know? uh, basically, God doesn't con contradict himself in that way. But we hear God together. And it's just important that we understand that. So even when I'm bringing something, it's part of helping someone to hear God. Uh, it's, a, it's an important safeguard there. A friend will speak the truth in love. <coughs> Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, if you want to practice that, you can practice that on Neil, okay? <laughs> Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The friend who tells you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you like to hear. The friend uh, will give you lots of encouragement, but will also say, you know, that was wrong. The friend who will say, hey, you look really good today, and the friend that will say, what on earth are you doing wearing that thing? <laughs> I'm surprised Mummy Lucy let you come out not with something warmer on. I'll talk to her later. Yes. Speak the truth in love. Saying what you need to hear. Friends, encourage. According to Hebrews 3.13, it's needed daily. Friends lay down their lives. Absolutely. John 15, the serving and sacrifice for one another. Um, of course, in practical terms, that includes uh, time and resources and a willingness to place your need. I always like to do my hair on Thursday. Wash it, curl it. If, if you ask for help on Thursday, it's my hair night. It disrupts my whole week. But if I put you before me, then I have to manage somehow. Come Friday, I can't do a thing with it. <sighs> yes. Friends lay down their lives. Friend really knows you. Isn't that good? Somebody that you can't pull the wool over their eyes. Somebody who can suss you out. Somebody who can... Just get through to the heart of things. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah, I noticed you didn't respond to that. <laughs> but truth is, it is good, isn't it? Might not always be comfortable. Friend is sensitive to your emotional state. Proverbs 26, verse 18. Um, there's a time to tease, a time to have fun, a time not to do that. Sensitive to emotional state. A time when, you know, that's not the best thing to do or say at that time. There's a sensitivity because of a concern for one another. Very important. Friend is loyal. And here's a good one. Proverbs 27, 17. A friend, a good friend, will clash with you. That's a good friend. Yeah? When iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. Well, a friend will clash with you. And that's all part of being open and honest and saying what needs to be said. So what about the outcome of this? We're talking a lot about this. Um, let's have a look at a couple of things on that and then um, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Phil. <clears throat> yeah, please. We had a couple of people over last night and we were just sharing things and um, Beck Coles talked about an experience she had recently which really stirred with me. I guess it was because um, Claire and I had been wanting to see something more fresh starting to appear in terms of our relationships with others and this kind of expression of covenant relationship. But she shared this experience. While standing on the terraces at White Hart Lane, 
obviously a place where inspiration comes uh, very regularly. I think she could be delivered from Due that. to the quality of the football. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry to in over interrupt you there, John. <laughs> uh, well, while standing on the terraces at White Hart Lane, listening to the chanting and getting caught up in the singing, God spoke to me. Sometimes the crowd were encouraging the whole team and sometimes individuals. Sometimes it was an encouragement because the game wasn't going their way and we were rooting for them and supporting them. And others, um, we were celebrating the team and individual successes. The crowds were committed to the team. They challenged the opposing team and fans with an expectation that they were going to win. It made me think of those amongst us who are currently struggling, those pushing into new things, and those who are faithfully serving. And um, it was something really about that expression of unity, and really being connected and joined with each other, which stirred again, and that sense of, you know, am I aware of what's going on for this person over here, and can I get behind them? You know, are they on my radar? Am I able to send an encouraging message to them, or bring them up and drop by and say, you know, what you're doing is really, really good, and it's blessed me, and um, thank you. And also for those who might be going through a tough time, but being able to stand with them and share with them. But I guess it provoked me to think about the level to which I knew that was going on, particularly in my spheres. Um, and I just, yeah, I found that to be a really helpful provocation. Thanks, Phil. <coughs> There's a... Um, very strong biblical promises for the outcome of true relationship, covenant relationship. Um, I mean, obviously, we understand um, that as we relate together, the plan of God is fulfilled. The primary plan of God is fulfilled. And, of course, it actually shows what he's really like in an accurate way. Um, when we uh, love one another in the practical ways that we've been talking about. Um, and it also, uh, as I said earlier on, gives us opportunity to be connecting with other people in ways which songs and meetings and prayers and things like that would not, would not really be attractive. I always remember years ago um, when I was way, way back, and I was stockbroken, I was talking with a client, and uh, he was um, he lived life to the full. Um, that's the polite way to say it. Um, sadly died early. Uh, but he wasn't interested in anything that I was involved in in terms of church or anything like that. But I happened to say to him, be talking about moving house, and he was talking about what removal company are you having? And I said, well, no. My friends are helping me. Um, I, I said, I think there's about 10 of them that are coming and they're helping. And he was totally staggered and completely, all of a sudden, interested. What is this that you would have 10 friends that would give up a Saturday um, to, to actually help you move house? To us, it's very normal, very basic. It's the way we live. But that was something that he could relate to, something... Of, of the reality of friendship. And it's always stuck with me that this is one of the primary ways in which we're going to demonstrate what God is like to those who are not part of this community. And then what came back to me recently um, was there's a verse in Zechariah, uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 23, um, that goes something like this. He said, and in those days, uh, ten men, of different languages, of all nations, will take hold of the hem of a Jew and say, let us go with you, for we perceive that God is with you. And I thought, hmm, clearly the outcome of this is not some cosy cuddle, not some spiritual rotary club or talk H or whatever. This is, this is about... The powerful force, the demonstration of what God is like. This is about showing his world and his people in his world what it is really like to be in relationship with God himself. 
as we love one another, as we practice that. It's a major and probably the most major way of reaching others. If I went around the room this morning, by the way, and I said, how did you come into relationship with God? Probably around about 90% or more would say, because of a friend, because of a relative, because somebody that I was close to. Um, very important that we understand that. And it's interesting, when we look at that, 10 men, different languages, different nations. It's not just by human persuasion. Remember, these are people of different language. They couldn't even communicate. It's not by external force, because they're of other nations. Nations speak of force, of, of strength. No, this is, this is something else. This is because there's a, a recognition that God's power, the power of his love is, is there and present and being expressed. And interestingly, just think about what we're actually doing um, and what we're moving more strongly into. Uh, the expression taking hold of the hem of his garment um, has a meaning. It basically means that they're coming for assistance, protection, advocacy. And I thought, hmm, couple that with the whole essence of love and relationship. And then I look, jump into the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 14, we were looking at this the other day, um, how uh, people coming amongst us, seeing the true demonstration of love and the power of the Holy Spirit, will perceive that God is with you. And we want that. We want to see that there is a greater perception of that, of God is with us and the supernatural. And of course we know that um, the Bible tells us very basically, very bluntly, all men will know that you're my, my disciples when you love one another. It's a powerful uh, demonstration. In fact, it's God's chosen demonstration in this, in this world. We know that when brethren dwell together in fellowship, in relationship, that God commands the blessing. And these are the things which we know. And so we're looking to see um, genuine acceptance, real practical covenant relationship or friendship, and with an expectation of an outcome that goes way beyond ourselves, an outcome that causes us to be the impact in the community that God intends when he set us as light in the darkness and salt in the earth. But let me give you an opportunity. What was it of covenant relationship that you particularly thank God for or you particularly would like to highlight? And a number of you um, held your, indicated to me that you wanted to do that. And... Uh, so I think we'll give you opportunity now. Um, Andrew, you've not worked for a while. I think you need to get some work So, around this place here in this meeting. Um, over there, look, Gary. See his hand up over there? And we'll hear one after another. Um, about four months ago, um, one evening, quite a bad day, there was a knock at the door. I answered the door, and someone I know um, from within the church, but not, don't know them particularly well, uh, said, here you go, and he presented me with a case of very expensive lager. And I said, see ya, and then they drove away. And I kind of stood there on the step thinking, hmm, this is interesting. And the next day, we had a food hamper arrive. And then, really, since then, over the last four months, as God's touched people's hearts, this kind of machine has word into action, and there have been so many different expressions uh, of love to us as a family from you know regular emails and texts and calls to you know people taking a personal interest in my kids and it just struck me that uh, there are people out there that don't have experience with this that go through these things on their own and that really does frighten me isn't it interesting again you see as we give testimony to the the manifestations of the love of god amongst us 
that that becomes a powerful witness and demonstration of what God is really like. Um, right over in the corner there, is it Hetty over there? I can't see. Yes, right over in that corner, Andrew. And then I'll be merciful to you because after Hetty we can come to Andy and you've not got to go so far. Um, on Christmas Eve, uh, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, around 8 p.m., I just got a phone call from a couple from a church, and they said, um, there's a few parties going on, you know, from the members of the church. One of us will come and babysit your kids, and one of us will just, uh, just take you around to go to different parties. And I was just thinking, oh, it's four kids. You remember, it's four kids that I have, and one with special needs, and you've never done this before. And they said, no, 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 get ready. You know, we're coming over. You know, one will stay and babysit, and one will go with you. And just like that, I was amazed, putting my makeup on, thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, um, but that was, to me, um, showing the love of God and just doing, and not even asking me, just saying, coming over, one of us will look after the kids. And another thing as well is just as a single mother, people just showing interest in my children and spending time with them, uh, taking them out, just getting them involved in things that um, a, a father, if a father was there, would do them. And I really thank God for that, uh, for being in this community. Thank you. Just reminds me what a major opportunity, uh, guys, that we have uh, just to express something of that Father heart of God uh, to those who don't have somebody there uh, in the natural fulfilling that role. Um, one, um, one small input can carry so much uh, weight and value in demonstrating God's heart. Thanks, Andy. I've had um, many, many examples, some as recent as yesterday. One that really sticks is when my father was unexpectedly, obviously be unexpected, he stepped out into the road and he was killed instantly, so it was completely unexpected. And Alan Wright came round and sat with me on our stairs, didn't say a word, he just sat with me for 10 minutes. And that is something that... I don't know, it was just spoke <laughs> in the silence anyway. See, that, that really is, like I was saying earlier on, sometimes just to be there is all that's, all that's necessary. We, we, we haven't got to think that we've got to have all the answers and, and wisdom in the thing. Right, Andrew, way back over the other side, look, Richard, it's just to, just to get you fit, running around, see? Well done, my friend. Yes, I, I shared something at the um, one of the new, uh, prayer meetings at the beginning of the year. I uh, just shared a, a situation. I was giving thanks to God for it. But then the people's response um, was very, very unexpected and encouraging. Um, I'd shared about this situation, just, you know, and then in, in the meeting after, or I think in a following meeting, someone came up and said, we'd very much like to commit ourselves to pray for you in that situation. Will you keep us informed about it and let us know anything that we can pray for? And I thought, wow, that's great. Um, a couple of days later, I had a text um, from from someone who, who, who knows me, and but maybe not very close, but again, that was very, very encouraging, um, knowing that you know, someone had, had really listened. Um, and then last week, someone had wrote down a prophecy which they gave to me, um, again, which you know, was very, very encouraging and positive. And, and even at the end of the meeting, uh, someone came up and, and prayed for me as well. And there were four instances of people and what it said to me was that people listened, and it 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 was it mattered to them, and that was just a very recent example of of covenant relationship in in practice. Excellent. 
really the whole issue of bearing one another's burdens very important. I think, Julia, did you have your hand? Yeah. Um, yes, obviously, as everyone knows, we've recently become grandparents, and, uh, you know, as a mum, got um, new babies and all the kind of anxieties that come with um, getting used to, parents getting used to that. Um, but the thing that really struck us was that so many people rallied around in so many different ways um, for my sons and, their, and my daughter-in-laws. Um, and what really struck me was the people who went above and beyond what you would naturally expect. Yeah. That people just being there, um, kind of a, at the drop of a hat where, where needed. Um, not just following, oh, this is just what we do in the church. You know, oh, we provide meals. Which, again, let's never take that for granted because other people don't have that. And that is certainly something that my colleagues at work would just open mouth, uh, what? <laughs> you know, you, people bring meals round for people when they have babies? What are you talking about? Um, but we are just so grateful. I, I could just go on and on about the number of people who just stepped in. Um, and just in addition to that, that I think everybody here must know that you've all got somebody that you can go to and call on when you get to your lowest point. None of us are on our own, like people in the world. That it doesn't matter what time of the day or how rubbishy you're feeling, you can ring somebody up. And, you know, I've been like, blah, 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 over the phone to somebody who's just listened. And, and, you know, not come with any platitudes or anything, but just help me to be accessing God and getting through that. So, so much to say thank you to God for with this relationship in this community. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I want to thank God for all these people here. Um, we've got lots of stories we can share over the years, but a more recent one that I want to say is that um, Jamie wasn't happy at his school, and we talked about possibly transferring him. And um, I, th I want to just say that people were very good at supporting us in that whole process, and Lynn Finn in particular was very good at praying w with us and for Jamie, and sort of encouraging us, have the application form, has it gone in, you know, how's it all going? And, um, and Grant Dixon putting in a good word for, for us with the head, and we found out that he got a place, so I want to thank people for supporting us in that. Um, a couple of years ago, I was really scared of walking around by myself because of some stuff that had happened. And my dad had spoken to Steve Bettis about it and he found out about it. So he offered to pick me up from school and take me to school every day until I wasn't scared again. So every day I'll come out of school and Steve Bettis would be waiting there to take me home. And one time I got detention and I texted him saying, I'm gonna be an hour. And he sat there and waited until I was finished and then drove me home. People don't want me to hold the mic. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I remember when um, in Sierra Leone uh, it was time to pay my school fees, and um, we couldn't we couldn't afford it. Well, w well, my dad had the money, but then he spent it on something else. <laughs> and but I remember him him telling me that if I need you know I need to I need to pay these guys fees because if anything happens to me I know that my friends will look after you and like, <laughs> that's what happened um, it you know he, he he knew that and even now you know I, I, I've, I've come here I've um, gone to university and even now you when with my involvement back to, back in Sierra Leone I can't work but God's just provided people have said, we'll, we'll, we'll support you. And 
I needed tutoring um, to well to do exams, and the amount of people you know someone's <laughs> actually just kept asking me, "Do you need me to help with the, um, with paying the tuition fees for, for your tutor?" And it's just that commitment, that acceptance, because you know it it's <laughs> it's not not yeah. Yeah, last week when we were listening, um, when John was teaching on covenant relationships, it just resonated something that God was bringing out. You asked John, what is the word when you had the five leaders who come up? What's, what's a word that kind of is the icon for that covenant relationship? And for me, that was first, he f you know, the word first. And in the context when I read, again, um, 1 John 4, it spoke about in 1 John 4.10 that he first loved us. And it went on in, in 19 and 20 as well. And, you know, as I listen to all the testimonies, uh, you know, it's really, when you look behind the thankfulness that I'm hearing from everyone, is that somebody first gave, you know, the Steve, the Alan and the stuff. And, you know, God challenged me last week while listening. He said, Hans, if you had to describe covenant relationships, don't describe it from what you receive, but from what you had given. Because when I describe covenant relationship, I don't describe it from the praise you give me. I describe it from I first gave you my son. And, you know, it really started me thinking, can I boast about covenant relationships because I was the one giving? And can I testify that to others by how I presented myself, not by what I received, but what I gave? Excellent. I, I wanted to sing a song. Well, I've been banned, so I can't sing it, but... Um, We've got to listen it, to me instead. Eh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hear from <laughs> Sheila first. <laughs> I think this was working. It's a good job you know me, John. Um, I think I've said it to some people, but it's three, four things. It's one that, and when my brother was really, really ill two years ago, Andy took me up back and forward and really, you know, give his time for me and when my brother did pass away um ken and sue actually took me to the funeral they stayed with me they brought me home they were and then um last year when i couldn't get down to see my sister because of my physical illnesses ken and sue again um offered they took me to, way down to cotswolds they came and took me and then they and then they came home again then when I, the week was over they came back and fetched me um, I can go through Susan and, and lots of people that have really helped me. My prayer group have been really behind me. I've always thought, and you know, I think people know me, I've always thought I've been outside looking in, but at last, a couple of days ago, I've said, I thought I did really got over this, but a couple of days, God really spoke to me and said, you are part of community church. You are wanted. You are needed. They love you. Do you want to know the song I was going to sing? Yeah. I love you with the love of God. Yes, I love you with the love of God. For I see in you the likeness of the King. I love you with the love of God. Hmm? How many remember that? We can't sing it because we've got to sing something else. But I just, I, I'm not sung it. I just told you what I was going to sing. That was all. Right, are we done? Okay. Oh, sorry, Lisa. Maybe 15, I think. Um, when my mum was ill, I, I kind of had no hope that she was ever going to get better, and it was really difficult to cry about it. And as I was telling people, people would cry and it almost felt like they were crying for me. And on a number of occasions, I would just be standing there and someone would be sobbing. And it really spoke to me, you know, these people really feel this, you know, when I can't even feel it. And um, people have visited her and there's been various prayer groups and 
people have been praying for her so faithfully. And then when she was having treatment, people were praying through her treatment. And then when I gave thanks at the prayer meeting, I just saw on people's faces absolute joy when I said that she was better. And, you know, people just lit up, the whole room just lit up and there were sort of smiles everywhere. And I just thought, people really felt this. And that was amazing. And now everyone's really joyful that she's well, better. That's great. So thank you. All right. Um, what, um, what we're talking about, thanks, Andrew, you can... Um, what we're talking about here is not something that we don't know, but something that God is speaking to us about increasing in, increasing in his love, and primarily that's expressed as we love one another. Um, do you want to increase in the love of God? Mm. If you want to increase in the love of God, just stand up where you are now. Right. This is what I want you to do, not just as an exercise, but as a, uh, a real expectation that God is going to seal what he said according to his word. Remember, he says he confirms his word with signs following. I want you to get into pairs and I want you to pray for each other simply for an increase in the love of God as expressed in covenant relationship. You do that right now. Just very straightforward, very simple. But let's believe that God's going to confirm his word with signs following.